0: I'm excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest, singer Heidi Molenhauer to the show. Welcome, Heidi. It's, it's so wonderful to, to speak to you today.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. It's really wonderful to speak to you. My mother
0: was extremely excited because her favorite Disney song of all time is God Help the Outcasts. So I told her about this and she's like, oh my gosh, what? Really? Oh. So... Oh, that's so sweet. Had I known,
1: I would have sent her something.
0: Oh, Well, I was actually, I didn't know that you, you still did cabarets, because you did one pretty close by to where it was, and I would have totally brought her along with myself, because we would be cheering you on from the front row. <laughs> <laughs> and did, did you have, like, what was your theater background how did you transition into the theater world? How did you find that that was your that was something you were so passionate about
1: uh, Well, I started singing professionally uh, when I was fourteen um, and it, 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 i I was already interested in voice and I had actually started studying uh, with an opera singer in new york and um, and uh, and at that time i was I was very interested in theater. Um, and so I kind of followed my nose and followed that path, um, as well as I started singing in a in a one of the piano bars in New York, one of the very well-known, lovely, wonderful piano bars in New York Brandy's on the Upper East Side. Um, and uh, through that, I started working there and I and I ended up also working at the duplex, uh, the old duplex Um Don't Tell Mamas, 88s, and uh, I met some incredible people there, and um, a pianist that I was working with uh, introduced me to uh, a a wonderful singer named Nancy Lamott, who's no longer with us, Um, and uh, she was the one who uh, talked me into doing my very first uh, solo cabaret show when I was about 18 or 19. Um, So I was kind of following both paths. I was simultaneously, I signed with an agent I think I was around 19 or 20, um, so I was auditioning full-time through my agents as well as doing uh, my solo cabaret shows, so kind of doing it all at once. Did you
0: find that the cabaret performances were um, difficult to craft because sometimes you would like to tell a story through all of these songs, so was it difficult to pick songs in a specific order? Um, that you'd like to tell a story with sometimes? Um, You know,
1: I don't know that it was difficult necessarily. Um, I I think, you know, depending on where we are, or at least my experience, depending on where I am in in life and, you know, where my head is, I tend to be attracted to songs that that when you put them all together, suddenly they're telling a story that you didn't even know you wanted to tell. Um, And so I, you know, I mostly uh, I chose songs that spoke to me, you know, emotionally, intellectually, musically. And, uh, I always had, I would always end up with too much, you know, and we'd always have to kind of cut and winnow down. Um, but I find that what you're attracted to in that moment, um, you know, if you lay it out in front of you, it actually tells you a story. So, um, Uh, And and storytelling and continuity was always uh, really important to me. I didn't like to do just sort of random songs jumbled together in my shows. I tended to you know, have a beginning and a middle and an end and try to convey a thought or idea. I've seen some of your performances on YouTube. Thank- Thankfully, somebody
0: had some clips and they put them up there. So you- you're you're such a wonderful performer because I'd never seen any video footage of you or what you looked like, um, as opposed to like the documentary that I that I found and sent to you of uh, Hunchback at Notre Dame. So it was really... Great to see you sing that song, but also your other cabaret performances, because some of those songs I've never heard of before, but they're so rich in texture and story. And I love that. I loved your selections with that.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, that was, uh, and, you know, and it's funny because I, I actually haven't posted any of this stuff, but I'll get an email saying, Hey, I saw you on YouTube. And I'm like, wait, (laughs) what? Um, (laughs) It, it kind of goes up without, you know, without my knowing, but, um, I think what you're talking about, uh, which, uh, it was the Tom Waits show that, uh, I did with my partner, Bobby Pico. Um, there's quite a bit of that that somebody is, somebody had the videotape, I think inherited the videotape and, and uploaded it. But, um, uh, that actually, that show was very near and dear to my heart. I'm, I'm a, I've been a huge Tom Waits fan since long before it was cool to be a Tom Waits fan, um, and I just, I, he is one of my favorite songwriters. Um, and, uh, Bobby Pico is a, is a wonderful, uh, pianist that I, uh, had the privilege of working with, um, at 88 and he and I just really hit it off from the get go. And, uh, a, a while later I, I made a, a whole bunch of, um, and this is before your time, uh, cassette tapes, um. <laughs>
0: Oh, and I still great. had my Hunchback of Notre Dame cassette tape.
1: So, <laughs> uh, but I, I had made I made him a bunch of tapes of of, of, a, of a ton of different uh, Tom Waits albums, and I handed them to him and I said, "I don't know if you're going to like this because it's it's a little offbeat, but uh, let me know what you think because I think that this music for you and I to do would be really quite." incredible and he had a listen and you know I think he called me the next day and said I'm in and so he and I put that show together um and it was really it was a I'd wanted to do a a show of Tom Waits's material for a long time and uh it all just really fell into place with Bobby uh as my partner in that my partner in crime
0: It, it was great I I wish the whole thing was up because I'd love to just listen to it because I I really don't know a lot of tom Waits songs myself so i was introduced to a few of them that i had never heard before so i really enjoyed that um so that okay. was really cool
1: well, I, think, I think that the, the i think that that the entire show has indeed been uploaded into two parts oh uh, okay if, if you dig a little bit further <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I I, I thought that there uh, when I had heard about this, it was just a few years ago, someone had said, Oh, yeah, I saw you on YouTube. And I'm thinking, I've never posted anything on YouTube. I think you (laughs) have the wrong person. No, no, it's you. Um, But uh, recently, somebody somebody had said that the whole show was had been uploaded. So uh, I believe it's there.
0: That is so, I'm going to take a look at it after we're done.
1: (laughs) Actually, that show as well, um, you know, we put that whole thing together ourselves and uh, we had a wonderful uh, little group of musicians uh, as well doing that with us, um, as well as uh, a terrific director, Jimmy Lazar, and Matt Berman, who designed all the lights and sound. Um, and uh, that show actually went on to win um among other things the uh, mac award for that year for uh for best review um as well as you know every every uh, theater magazine rag you know backstage and variety and all of that so um we were super proud of that show. I'm someone who actually you know avoids social media like the plague so <laughs> Well, that it was so hard to to, to find
0: you, and and I'm so grateful to Kirk Wise, uh, who is um, a good friend of yours and a friend of mine. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know Heidi, and he's like, yeah. So that worked out well. Thank you, Kirk,
1: um, because I was here at I I hear you had um, both he and Gary on together. Yes, we had a fun t- I- I'm th- I'm an Atlantis
0: fan through and through. So but also a Hunchback fan. I-, I-, I remember seeing that. And when we saw the stage show down at Disney World, when that came out, and my favorite part always was um, Elzmeralda's song, God Help the Outcasts. And you brought this to life. In the film. And uh, as I said before, I have the album on cassette still. I still have my cassette tape and my little cassette player (laughs) and play it. But I'd always rewind it and play that song. And I remember it, like, my babysitter at the time was always like, oh my gosh, again? And I was like, yes. And I would pretend like I was singing it. And I just loved it. So when did you audition for this piece? Or or was this, because we had spoken a little bit before off air that you had done scratch tests, basically, of the voices. So was that a way
1: that they chose you? Well, so yeah, the way that it, 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 it all kind of happened, um, you know, they held auditions, uh, in New York, I think in Los Angeles and, and probably, you know, around the country and some of the other major, uh, uh, performing arts cities. Um, and so I, I, I went on a call through my agent, um, and, uh, uh, they, what they did was they actually sent the song, ahead, uh, we had to learn the, the song and then go in and record it with the casting agent and they had a pianist there. Um, and I think that was in about, uh, March of that year, which that year would have been maybe 94, I guess. Um, and, uh, And then I didn't hear anything, which was, which was, you know, fine. I mean, that's auditioning in New York. You know, you go in, you, you give it your best and then you try to walk out and forget about it. Um, but, uh, as, as I was, uh, waiting to go into the audition room, uh, out comes a very good friend of mine. Uh, she had been auditioning for it as well. And she looked at me and she goes, "Oh great. Uh, because, you know, I'm, I've always been sort of known as the, you know, the chick with the husky voice, um. And it was obviously to sing uh, to do the singing for Demi Moore. Um, But I didn't hear anything for several months um, until I was actually in St. Thomas uh, doing a club gig for two weeks um, with actually another would would be later on uh, Disney voice, uh, Michael Woolley. uh, and um, and I got a call in the middle of my gig saying, uh, can I can I go in for this session? And they were calling it a paid audition. Um, and I, of course, had to leave my gig early and, uh, you know, rush back to New York and on no sleep, hit the conductor's house to learn the songs and then go to the go to the studio and record with Alan Menken and Stephen Schwartz, which, you know, is like what? And. Um, and uh, and so that's when we actually recorded. We recorded that duet, uh, just a scratch uh, version of that duet, as well as a scratch version of a song that they had written to uh, potentially take the place of "God Help the Outcasts." Um, I found out later that Demi um, Moore really wanted to sing it, and they, you know, they wanted to give her the opportunity to do it. But in the meantime, they they had to kind of stay on schedule, and so. They auditioned for uh, a singing voice for her, but sort of held me off, uh, giving her, you know, some time to to work on it. Um, And I think it wasn't until uh, probably July, August that uh, that I was that I had a contract.
0: Was that 1995 or 94? Because sometimes it takes these films like four years to make.
1: Yeah, this was in 1994. Um, the, The film came out in '96. So it was about it was it was a good solid two years before the the movie came out.
0: And 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 when we were referring to the duet, um, there was a song called "In a Place of Miracles" that <laughs> Elsmerelda and Phoebus would sing together after um they found the Court of Miracles, and yeah. then um
1: the other song someday. It's a beautiful song, and and actually they had used the the same intro verse uh, from "God Help the Outcast" as an intro verse to "Someday." Um, and we had done a, a. I think it was at the end of the day. So place of miracles, we actually recorded in the studio, did a full recording of, uh, Kevin Klein and I, uh, did a full recording of that. And at the end of that wow. day, um, I did a little demo of someday to just a, a piano track. Um, and it was actually really lovely. It, uh, I did it very quietly and very prettily, Um, I didn't, you know, I I, we didn't get big or or dramatic with it. Um, And then uh, months later, um, there was a note at some point to perhaps try to make it kind of more grand and sweeping. Um, and it just, it, it didn't quite work. It wasn't quite working. And even, um, I remember having the conversation with Kirk and Gary in the booth going, you know, I kind of feel like I'm yelling at God, um, (laughs) you know, did belting and sweeping. And I, I felt, I felt it was such an intimate, um, moment. Um, and so that song just, it just wasn't working. And, um, our producer Don Hahn, you know, came to went to Kirk and Gary and kind of said, "Okay, this is we're not sure why why this isn't working, but it's just not something something's not right." And Kirk and Gary kind of said, "You know, we've got this other song, the original song, which we think is perfect." And uh, they played my demo, I think my audition demo, um, of that, and Don said, "Well, that of course that's the one." And so we ultimately you know, found our way back full circle to uh, God Help the Outcasts. And I, I'm personally, I mean, I loved Someday, and I loved the very kind of quiet, uh, sweet version that we did, but I was really uncomfortable uh, with the with the kind of grand, sweeping version.
0: I agree with you on that. I think that God Help the Outcasts in that moment in the film works for what it's trying to convey and di- did you see the the updated stage version that they did so they included both songs but at different points in the in the story like they kept god help the outcasts where it was but they had someday as the song the night before el Esmeralda is to be uh, put to the stake
1: oh no i ha- I, I haven't seen the stage show
0: Oh, really? I, I was wondering because they, they bring back someday and they brought back in a place of miracles. So yeah. I was like, oh,
1: cool. They they're bringing back original material. <laughs> well, you know, in, in the, I mean, in, in a Disney movie, you know, you've got to be 90 minutes. I mean, that's you know, that's what you have. Um, and they're ve- they're very strict with it, the, with their timing on stuff, um, you know, in a stage show. You you really do have have the space to uh, expand. And, you know, it's really good to hear that, you know, some of some of the songs that were, you know, good, but just didn't quite make the cut for the film. uh, You know, I'm happy to hear that they that they made it back in. Um, There was also a a lovely uh, duet between Quasimodo and Esmeralda called As Long As There's Moon. Uh, which I I remember going up to uh, Alan Mankin's studio and 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 putting a, a quick track down on, um, and and I you know I in, in personally I always felt like um, you know Quasimodo and Esmeralda's relationship was the the most important one, you know I felt like that was the that was the one that um, that was the story you know it was their relationship and how they how they affected one another and, and supported and and guided one another. So, um, So, but, you know, again, that that, as long as there is a moon didn't make it in either. I think just uh, just for time.
0: One thing I'm really surprised is when they would release these films, they would always try to do um, a a special music video to promote the film. So like Celine Dion, they did the Beauty and the Beast one and then um, they had they had one for a whole new world. And I was always so confused why they never did something with you in a church or actually flew you out to Notre Dame, like that would have been pretty cool just to have you really singing there,
1: right? <laughs> I like to have been flown to not Notre Dame. I actually did. I did go to Paris at, at some point uh, with Disney. Um, I think it was thing. Uh, so I did actually get to go to Notre Dame and, and to, and to make my stroll toward the Rose Window. Um, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, 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 that's all in the hands of of publicity and and you know how they want to market things. So you know I, I I don't I don't have an answer to that.
0: What What was it like to work with Kevin and do that duet with him?
1: Kevin is just the most lovely man. um I was you know I was incredibly uh, nervous to meet him and to work with him, and uh, we actually met. For the first time at uh, the uh, conductor's apartment in New York, um, to uh, run the song and and to work on it a bit and rehearse it and. Um uh, and I, you know, I remember, I actually remember it really clearly because I, I grabbed a coffee at the bodega at the corner and I'm like walking down this, down the street, you know, toward the apartment building and I'm just kind of going, oh God, oh God, oh God, you know, and, um and I got up to the apartment and Kevin like answered the door and um he just, he, he really worked hard to put me at ease right away. And, and I, we just had a blast. We had a, a really lovely time and, and I attribute that a hundred percent to him and and, and, and just how, how down to earth and, and how funny and easygoing he is. What was it like working with Alan and and Steven? Um, it, it was, it was fantastic. You know, it was, it was incredibly, and I was incredibly intimidated at first because, you know, how many Oscars, how many Tonys, how many, uh, you know, awards have they both won? But, uh. Uh, I, again, I, you know, my, this whole experience, I have to say, I, I I don't think that there was anyone who, uh, who I worked with who wasn't incredibly down to earth, kind, respectful, and, and just really excited about the work that they were doing. Um, and, and that's, it's a wonderful energy to walk into, uh, a group of people who are just really enthusiastic about the work. And, um, and so working with Alan and Steven, uh, it was, it was terrific. Um, I, I have such, uh, respect and admiration for both of them. Um, and, uh, and they, they always had, uh, really concise and, and good, uh, notes and information and direction. Um, everybody, was very respectful of one another. You know, Alan and Stephen kind of came in and we went through the whole thing musically. Then they left me alone, and then Kirk and Gary and I kind of went through it and we talked through, um, uh, you know, the scene and how the scene was going to go. And we talked through sort of the emotional uh part of it and and the 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 journey from beginning to end emotionally um and then you know they left me in the booth i shut my light off and in you know and sang in the dark and they let me just go and you know we just did they were all going for a performance i think all of them uh are are very res- have, a, have a special kind of respect and, and, and affection for live performance. And I think they all really understand kind of the performance as a whole, as opposed to, you know, con- singing precisely each line and getting it just so, um, you know, they were more interested in the overall performance from beginning to end. And so um, they really, you know, gave me the space uh, to perform in the booth. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm so grateful for my experience with all of them.
0: How long do you think it took just to record that specific song? Was it a couple days or was it, you know, one session?
1: It was one day. It was one session. Um, we, I, I was in early in the morning uh, to uh, sing along with the orchestra, uh, so that the orchestra could hear me. So the conductor could hear me and therefore conduct, uh, you know, the, the orchestra accordingly. Um, so I was in a booth for the morning, um, uh, while the orchestra recorded. Um, and then we broke for lunch and came back and, um, and spent the afternoon, uh, uh, recording my vocals. Um, and then uh, the, the chorus was brought in um, on a different uh, session, if I'm remembering this correctly. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a day. I think I stay I'm, I'm one of those uh, because I'm I'm a live performer, really. Uh, recording, I, I, I get more uh, obsessive over it. And so I'm one of those singers, you know, I'm there till the bitter end, you know, at two o'clock in the morning and I'm still sitting there going, I could do it again. Do you need me to do another take? I can do another take. (laughs) Um, so, you know, I said, I, we recorded, we broke for dinner. I was essentially done, but I stuck around, uh, for the rest of the evening, Um, while they comped it, um, and then I think they kicked me out, you know, somewhere around 1 or 2 a.m., but... (laughs) Hey, you're dedicated,
0: and I totally get that, because I love to sing, too, and I'm like, I would rather perfect it, have it as best as it can be, instead of, like, just doing this for another five days, you know what I mean? Let's go for it, and let's get it done now, and the best it can be. So with the Demi, um, did she ever hear your version prior to the film being released like did you ever meet her and talk with her
1: um i never met her oddly um uh, i i i'm i believe she she heard my audition tape um but i don't you know i don't know for sure what all was going on behind the scenes um on that front but i i i, I think she heard it i hope she liked it <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've never heard anything negative from her. You know, (laughs) apparently she really loves the film. So (laughs) what, what about Bette Bindler? Because she did, she, she performs the, the credits version of God help the outcast.
1: The pop version. And no, actually I never, I I didn't meet Bette either. I I did hear, I think someone gave me a little anecdote about her coming and watching the movie and just, and just absolutely loving the, the song in the movie. So, uh, but no, we, we didn't, I didn't meet her either. Uh, so <laughs> I met, um, well, interestingly, I actually, uh, Paul Candel, uh, who plays Clopin, um, Paul and I actually knew each other and we had done a show together years bef- uh, a few years prior up at Goodspeed Opera House, um, and we're actually really good friends. Um, and so when I, when I was hired and heard that Paul was doing it, I, you know, I I practically fell down. I was so excited, Uh, (laughs) you know, so I I had a you know, I had a really, really close friend um, sort of in that midst, which always makes always makes everything a little easier.
0: It's amazing to think that both of you and the rest of the cast and the choir and the musicians put together this beautiful performance, something that a lot of Disney fans had never really heard before from a Disney film. And I think that's why that the soundtrack in particular it with the talent involved is why it's ranked always number one as the full soundtrack of a Disney film is the best one hands down and mm-hmm. I I agree too. you know fully agree with that because it really plays in part with the story and the talent and and the quality of the songs so you're part of this wonderful this wonderful film did you get to go to the to the actual premiere of the film and, and see it with an audience. And what, what, what did you think of that?
1: Um, I did, I, I went to, uh, I went to the New York premiere, um, which was, I think that was my, fa- I, I also went to the one in New Orleans, um, which was, I mean, so huge. It, 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 my, I almost didn't get my head around it. Um, the, I did go to the one in New York uh, and we premiered the, the film at uh, the Ziegfeld Theater um, down by uh, 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 Rockefeller Center. Um, and then we had uh, we did the premiere party afterwards um, up at St. John the Divine Church, which I don't know if you have ever heard of St. John the Divine, but it happens. It's It's a beautiful historic church, uh, in Manhattan, uh, way up on the Upper West side. Um, it's, it's just a, it's a beautiful church in, in, uh, in not only just in its architecture, but also it's a, it's kind of a, a very open and, and, and loving and kind of progressive church. They did, they, they used to do the, I don't know if they do it anymore. They used to do the blessings, blessing of the animals every year. And, on Halloween, um, when I was a kid growing up and and into my adulthood, they would show um, wonderful, scary black and old black and white movies. And they'd usually have like an a live organist playing and they'd have characters dressed up kind of haunting the church while you were watching the movies. Just a really amazing place. And um, and we we did the we had the opening party up there and Alan, uh, Alan and I got up and Alan played piano for me. And I, and I sang, um, uh, God help the outcast into someday, uh, at the church and that, um, you know, with the window behind me, I mean, it was just one of those crazy moments. Um, you know, I was in this church that I'd loved since I was a kid and, uh, you know there i am you know sort of performing on on opening night so that that's i mean one of my fond memories of of that whole kind of whirlwind opening um was was that was being able to sing at st john the divine
0: it's it's so cool to see how it's it's reached so many people and it's one of those songs that still you know disney it's like in the repertoire of songs that are no, very well known um for all the right reasons obviously and maybe do you think it like it it plays in part to what is going on in the world today. Do you think that this song might be needed more than ever? I think,
1: you know, I, I think there are some songs and, you know, and, you know, some Disney songs, um, but it just in general, some songs that, uh, that go so finely to the heart and speak so, so simply and eloquently that they, Kind of stand the test of time. Um, I, I'm I'm kind of. I, I didn't know that this song would necessarily hold up over the years, um, and it it really has. And I you know I think, I mean I, I was I was personally um, it, I couldn't have chosen a better moment for myself if someone had said you get to choose one Disney moment that you sing, you know, what would you choose? I mean, I don't think that I would have chosen anything other than this one Um, for the, for the, the heart of the song. I, you know, the, the, it's, it's, it's just timeless. Um, It's one of those beautiful, simple and, and yet so truthful and brutally honest uh, songs. And those to me uh, hold up. Um, so I think it's, you know, I think we, we continue to go through things and, and we'll never stop going through things. And it's those, it's those moments of real sort of, um, uh, humble and vulnerable honesty. Uh, I think that, that stand out and, and, and stand up, um, so I'm you know, i'm 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 grateful for it. It's these are the types of songs that I have always gravitated to, you know, the the little gems, the the quieter ones, but the ones that are kind of simple and straightforward and, you know, right, honest. Um, so uh, so I think that's, you know, I'm glad that it's holding up. I'm grateful that it's holding up. and I think that's probably why. So I
0: have three Disney-themed questions for you that I ask all of my guests. I call them the the Fab Three. Okay. So we'll start with the Donald one, which is, as a child, what was one of your favorite Disney films to see in the movie theater?
1: I don't know that I saw Disney films in the movie theater. I'm trying to remember. I saw, I know I Pinocchio was one of my early favorites, uh, as was Dumbo, uh, as was Fantasia
0: and our goofy question what Disney character do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person
1: (laughs) oh my gosh gosh I might have to say Jiminy Cricket
0: and finally our Mickey question if I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment what immediately comes to mind baby mine well, you've, you've made so many people happy over the years with your beautiful singing portrayal with Esmeralda and I, I do hope that, I know you've sung it before, uh, since since then, and I, I just, I really do cherish the song, and I love your performance, and that's why I will always keep my cassette tape. <laughs> no matter what. So, I thank you so much for being a part of the show, and, and talking about your experience. It's just, it's th- so thrilling to hear um, of how this all came together for you
1: thank you and thanks for having me this is it's i don't get to talk about this very often so it's been a real treat